0: Welcome, adventurers. Ahead lies a cave, within something that threatens to undo hundreds of years of belief. Joel Rigetti's Speaking Stone Studio presents Tales from the Dungeon Putting the rope back in his pack, he moved toward the pillar. It was worn, faint, but it was there, smaller than the palm of his hand. Scratched into the base of the pillar was a symbol that matched both one on the ring and a picture from the book. It means well, though I'm not sure of the significance yet, Larian said in a reverent tone. Ortoval looked at the opening and then, down to snare, signing, Be on your guard. Though the gnome had already drawn a dagger and his energy reminded him of a cat with his hackles up. Ortoval made his way to the entrance, stepping up and on to some rubble, peering deeper into the darkness. What would appear a shadowed cave to some creatures showed to him clearly as a tunnel or passage, a benefit of his unknown elfish parent. As he looked, it became clear that past this deteriorated opening there were signs of intentional construction. Smooth walls at expected angles, rather than the irregular bumps and jogs of a naturally occurring cave. At the edge of his enhanced dark vision, the passage appeared to open into a chamber. Orteval stepped back out, There is at least one chamber within. I can take Snare and explore ahead, come back and report. Even before his words had finished, he could tell Alarion was preparing an argument, and Winrid's offense at the prospect of being left out was setting in on her face. So he plowed on. Or we could all go as a group, but with great caution. I think it is best if we go together, Alarion said. I am the one who has led us this far. "'my knowledge might be needed within as well.' "'It would be unseemly for me to accept pay and no risk,' "'Wenrid joined in. "'I would not have it said of Wenrid "'that she stood aside while others pushed forward. "'No, unless you command me to stay back, "'I shall press on in assistance and defence of my companions.' That was more words than most would have spoke to say, "'I'm coming, too,' but after eleven days with her, Orteval knew she was far from done speaking. "'Which weapon should I use, do you suppose? A spear would be my preferred choice. However, in tighter quarters it can be more appropriate to use a short-sword and shield, or a short-sword and dagger. What say you, Orteval? How looks the terrain ahead?' He could have cared less, but wanting to keep the opportunity for continued questions to a minimum, he had said he thought a sword and shield best. Kneeling, he had untied a lantern from the side of his pack. As he rummaged to find the flint and steel, Wenrid started again. "'I have no need of the light. My eyes work quite well in both the dim and even total dark.' Orteval took that as confirmation of his belief the woman had at least some dwarven blood in her. It is for our companion here, Orteval said with a nod of his head toward Alarion. Oh, yes, my apologies, I was just saying for myself, it was not a necessity. Carry on, Winrid responded. As Orteval lit the lantern, he could hear Winrid speaking under her breath. And so brave Orteval lit the party's source of light as they readied themselves to enter the unknown under the mighty, mighty Shalshali's, mother of mountains. Snare, face red with irritation, cast one last look in Orteval's direction and then made his way in without waiting. Alarion, Winrid, and himself were less than a half bar behind the gnome. Past the first twenty feet the rubble ceased, and the passage was clear. Another forty feet brought them to the chamber Ortoval had seen from outside. It measured roughly forty feet across and was completely circular. At its center stood what looked to be a stone well. The floor was tiled with a geometric pattern that was reminiscent of some he had seen in Borgian, but less intricate somehow, older. Other than the well, the room was empty, Besides where they had entered from the south, there was an exit from the room in each of the other cardinal directions. East had been a passage similar to that they had entered through, but in even worse shape. After ten feet, fallen rock and rubble covered the floor. Holding the lantern aloft, it could be seen that the passage was filled near to the top, another three paces past that. Hopefully, this was not the way, Orteval had thought. Clearing this passage would take days. West lay a hall forty feet in width, the walls curving up into an arched ceiling, reaching twenty feet above the floor. High on the south wall were cut windows or air vents through which muted daylight spilled. Remnants of furniture, broken pottery, and glass littered the floor. They identified a rusted trowel and a few other small items that gave the impression that they were once tools. Common consensus was that what they were seeing was the remnants of a workshop. But it shed no further light on their search, so they had returned to the main chamber. North had been a passage ten feet in width, and though it continued some thirty feet or more to a dead end, Only twenty feet in, on the west, lay a massive door of stone. A small puddle stood at the base of the door. It appeared the door was made to slide. There was a carved handle of sorts. Pulling and pushing had no effect. Wenrid was on a long dissertation about the prevalence of false doors in dwarven construction when Snare finally noticed the smallest of holes in the door. After over a year of traveling with the gnome, Ortoval felt this was the first time he had seen Snare truly excited. The gnome's eyes sparkled, his hand dropping to a pouch at his side. Out came a few small metal implements. It didn't even seem to bother the bearded rogue that Winrid was still talking. Tools inserted, the gnome's face became expressionless. Just after a half-bar had passed, there was the tiniest of ping sounds. Snare reached up and slid the door aside with unexpected ease. Orteval smiled. Good work. Snare, surprisingly, frowned. Took too long, his signed reply. The passage ahead was also ten feet wide and ended twenty feet ahead at a wood door. Three inches of standing water covered the floor of the entire passage. Snare splashed ahead to the next door. A thick beam was locked in place across the face of the door with a heavy chain. Snare squinted his eyes, blowing out a breath. He shook his hands and went to work again. Seven beats, a click, and Snare snatched the open lock off the chain, tossing it in the air and then catching it. He turned with a smug smile. ortoval helped Snare remove the chain and set aside the heavy beam. As the gnome reached up to open the door, the cleric called for him to wait. Something about the water didn't sit right with him. Look, two locked doors in short order. We may be coming up on whatever it is we are come for, and if it is locked away, we have no idea what other precautions they may have taken. Snare considered him for a moment, and then held out his hand in a be-my-guest gesture. Wartoval asked for them to stand back, taking his shield in one hand and letting his mace fall loose on its lanyard on the other. He signaled a silent countdown. Three, two, one. He pulled the door open. There was the noise of the door sloshing over the wet floor, but also a barely audible Whirr, and then a click. The floor of the room ahead was completely submerged and smelled of mold. Orteval's attention was quickly drawn back to the passage by a frantic tugging at the base of his mail shirt. It was Snare, who was pointing back to where they had just come from. The stone door had slid closed by itself. Winred was pulling at the handle on this side, but it didn't budge. From the center of the room, up on the ceiling, came another noise. A strained screech, the grating of something on rock. It stopped for a few beats, and then a more violent crack. Some of the stone fell from the roof along with a gout of water. The stone and water splashed into the room, the level of water rising rapidly to Ortoval's knees. The falling water subsided quickly, however, dissipating to a slow stream, and then little more than drips after ten beats. The fallen water sloshed about, reflecting off of the walls. Orduval looked back to his companions. Wenrid was kicking the stone door now. Alarion had hitched up his robes in a futile attempt to keep them out of the deepened water. Snare, water lapping at his armpits, stared at him with a frown, arms crossed over his chest. His arms dropped. I guess we have some idea of what other precautions they may have taken now. Orteval bared his teeth in an impression of Snare's feral smile. The gnome's eyes squinted in disgust, and then he turned and waded off into the room. Orteval took a few moments to calm Wendrin's failing assault on the door and convinced Alarion dry clothes were not a priority at the moment. The room ahead was square, roughly forty feet on a side. Bright mold of varying colors grew upon the walls, yellows, oranges, a nearly luminescent purple. Ortoval made his way to the center of the room, near where Snare stood, looking up. A rusty metal plate with jagged edges and a few holes partially blocked an opening above. Water, smelling of minerals, continued to drip down from this opening. The purpose of this was quite clear. Looking down to Snare, he saw on his face that he had realized it as well. If the metal trap door above had not failed with age leaking out water over time, The stone door would have shut, the room would have filled, and they would have died. Why don't you go see if you can get that stone door back open, Orteval said. Snare looked back to the roof one more time, and then turned back toward the passage. Given the room's state, there wasn't much to be discovered. Other than the fallen stone from the roof, there was the rotting remains of some wood, possibly some furniture at one point. Even when Snare finally got the door open and the deeper water rushed from the room, there was nothing to be found. No clues or evidence. No pendant. That seemed to be the end of it. The only option that presented itself was returning to the main room and beginning to excavate the collapsed passage. Ortoval pointed this out, and Alarion insisted on it his belief that whatever they were looking for resided in these ruins. Ortoval and Winrid had taken turns moving Rock. Snare had insisted he would only slow them down, and Alarion hadn't even thought to offer help. The wizard sat with his back against the well in the center of the entrance chamber, reading through the Borgin book. Snare wondered about, trying to wring out his soaked clothes and kicking at Rock's. It was after a bell of hard labor that Ortoval's attention was caught by Snare slapping at the wizard's shoulder and pointing frantically to the well. Valerian was struggling to stand to get away from the gnome's pestering. Ortoval broke from his work to see what had agitated Snare. He whistled as he came on, the gnome's head swiveling to him. Well, the little man signed with emphasis. Ortoval looked confused, returning the sign. And? Snare rolled his eyes, signing again. Well. And before Orteval could respond, in exasperated irritation, the gnome continued. The symbol out front. The wizard said it meant well. And not happy with how fast Orteval was catching up, Snare turned and kicked the well, a decision he could tell the gnome regretted by the wince on his face. Well. And a point to where they had entered. Well and an emphatic, two-handed gesture to the well next to which he stood. What is the matter with him? Alarion asked in a concerned tone. What is he saying? He says the symbol out front, Orteval began. Well, Alarion shouted, eyes going wide. The wizard rushed forward, peering within. Orteval joined them at their side, Snare having climbed the rough side to look in as well. The glint of dark water reflected back the lantern light some twelve feet below them. Snare dropped off the side of the well, found a rock, climbed quickly back up, and cast it in. It fell, fell to the water, disappeared past the water, with no splash whatsoever. A beat later, the clack of rock against stone echoed up from below. There was no water. It was an illusion. Wenrid had rambled on about how it was hardly surprising Snare had discovered the ruse, given Gnome's penchant for illusion. They all ignored her as they unpacked rope and searched for the best thing to tie off on. Snare was lowered down. It was odd to watch him disappear into the water with no splash, swallowed by the illusion. A moment after they could see him no more, there was a tug on the rope. Pulling him just back into sight, the gnome signed. Another thirty feet to the floor. Lower me down to investigate. We'll tug three times to let you know it is clear. Orteval nodded, and the gnome disappeared a second time. He felt when the weight released. Orteval hated waiting in situations like this. Hated how time always felt longer but soon enough the tugs came. Winred went down next, then Alarion, and finally Ortoval. Their descent brought them into a large room. There were some remnants of furniture and decayed rugs, some sort of common or living room, it seemed. A door to the south led to a smaller room that was partially collapsed. Hard to tell in the condition it was in, but it may have been storage. North was a door that led to an even smaller closet. Snare had been unsatisfied with it and spent nearly five bars poking at cracks and going over the space, to no result. The last remaining option was east, through an open corridor. It led to a square room, seven paces aside, and at its center, another well. They wasted no time in heading to it. Snare scaled the side and tossed in a copper. Thirty feet or so below, in the glint of dark-reflected lantern light, the odd, bloop, noise of a coin splashing in the water. Unlike the one above, this well seemed to hold no secrets, instead being the actual source of water for this complex. From here, two more corridors, one north and one south. To the north was a chamber about the same size as the one they had descended into, Remnants of beds and bedding revealed it to have once been a sleeping chamber. But there was nothing special about it. That left only the corridor to the south. Orteval could almost feel Alarian buzzing with nervous energy. He wasn't sure what the wizard would do if they discovered nothing in this remote ruin. The young man had been so certain it would contain more clues, maybe the final clue to unlocking the mystery of the creaste on and dare. In an odd silence, they had spent nearly a bar in the chamber with the well. Larian finally speaking. Ahead we go. Surely it lies in this room. He didn't sound sure at all. Porteval walked at hilarion's side as they stepped into this last chamber. It was large, round, sixty feet in diameter, with a dome roof that reached some thirty feet above the floor. The shape of the room drew the eye up along the curved walls, walls covered in carved depictions of trees. They reached up and overhead, giving the eerie impression the trees were moving, crowding in to swallow any who dared enter the room. The floor was covered in designs, intricate patterns of spirals and circles, pictures of various beasts. Along the curving lines and around the depictions were writings, writings in an alphabet none of them had seen nor knew existed just two weeks prior. If that had been all, the chamber would have been impressive and overwhelming. But their eyes hardly lingered on the glut of detail. Instead, the center of the room, where a pedestal made of dark stone stood, drew all the attention. Atop it, a sculpture of a creature that looked similar to a toad. Though starting behind the creature's eyes were rows of spikes that ran down its back, and where a toad's mouth would have been devoid of teeth. Instead, this creature contained a mouthful of needle-like teeth, multiple sets, one behind the other. The teeth could be seen because its mouth was wide open. Inside the mouth, touched by the lantern light, something translucent, something green. In a near trance, Alarion mumbled, Pendant have found the pendant and the young wizard took a step forward and then another his foot falling upon one of the beasts carved on the floor the floor crumbled and collapsed Alarion pitched forward struggling to turn about but it was too late the object of over a year's journey is at hand but as Alarion made a fatal step Stay tuned next week for the conclusion of The Fool's Errand That Nearly Changed the World. Hey, one and all. Just wanted to take a quick moment to say that if you were paying close attention to the end of last episode, I said that this was the conclusion. (laughs) Uh, This isn't the conclusion. Uh, A deep, dark secret here. Sometimes I'm not done writing the stories uh, when I record next week or basically the preview for next week. So I had thought this would be the conclusion of the story, but in fact it is not. So I can, with now 100% confidence, say next week is the conclusion. It is completely written, uh, not recorded yet, but written. So next week is the actual conclusion instead of this false conclusion. So hopefully your week and day is a little more straightforward to that and you don't have any false conclusions and things are actually over when they're over. Uh, That's that. Have a good one, and I'll see you again next week for the actual conclusion of this tale.